0: Namo tasa bhagavato arahato Sama sambudhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato Sama sambudhasa Namota sa bhagavato arahato samma samyutta sa Sangam dhamma We're all very aware of the conditions on the outside, but what are the conditions on the inside? This is a more important knowledge, awareness for us to develop. One of the seven factors of enlightenment is the investigation, power of investigation. So it's really wonderful that we're developing mindfulness and we, we're working on the wisdom Factor, and we're energetic, we're here, we're trying, but are we investigating the conditions on the inside? And why would we want to investigate the conditions on the inside? We have mindfulness and we have wisdom, we're putting in the effort, and we're trying to focus and orient our compass towards freedom from suffering. So we're here to investigate. The, the opportunity is for us to be able to investigate inwardly and not believe that the Buddha is out there somewhere. Some people come here for the first time and when they see us bowing they get nervous because they think that we're we're bowing to this image on the shrine as if that were the Buddha. Is that how you bow? Why are we bowing to it? Because yes, it's an act of respect. It's like a photograph. If you look at a photograph of your mom, or a photograph of your, your daughter, your son, your husband, your wife, somebody that you really love, if you don't love your husband and wife, this is too bad. <laughs> it's very important to be reminded of that quality of love. If that quality of love is not what we're moving from, what we're bowing from, then the photograph doesn't help us. The photograph is only a symbol, a sign, a reminder that there's a connection there. And that connection produces within the heart a certain quality which allows the heart to be open, to trust, to feel well, to reach forth. If we don't have that quality, whatever we do, whether we bow or or offer somebody a gift or spend time with, with people and with ourselves, then we're living not from love but from fear. And fear is a place of contraction. It's dense, it's impenetrable, and it has to be investigated. And the reason for investigating it is for the purpose of allowing the heart to open to the possibility of true connection. True connection, true understanding, true love. So many beings are acting, speaking, living from a place that is not fully free of that fear. We have a lot of fear within us. But this power of investigation is a marvelous tool which allows and enables us to be aware of the fear when it's there. If we know well enough that we have to investigate conditions, not the weather and not... Yes, we want to keep the, the, the buildings clean and in good repair, but external conditions will never be perfect. And this body is, is one of them. Try as we might, we, we've all been sick, we've all had things happen to physically, and we know what it's like to have something that isn't right in the body. There can be pain, there can be disability, there can be a lack of function, even lack of mental function. It's also caused by some condition in the body. And as best as we can, it's important for us to investigate those conditions and see not only the physical illness that brings, but what is the mental illness that arises around those conditions. This is the second arrow. So the first arrow is just the human condition. It's going to be there. That is possible for us to overcome it, and deepening the meditation practice helps. When the Buddha had a lot of pain, he would go into a deep state of meditation and have the power, the endurance, to distance himself from the pain, not be... Uh, defeated by it not be dragged down by it he could sustain it and endure it bear it without suffering but the mental arrow the mental arrow is removed not just by bearing the pain because then when you stop meditating and you're back in a busy environment come out of retreat and you you come back into the world and it feels unbearable or the chaos of the world, it, it feels overwhelming. And we quickly absorb that into our own being. But what we can do with it is see the conditions for what they are and not swallow them, not take them as me and mine. And that's how we can remove this mental... Uh, it's, you can refer to it as an arrow or a dart or a knife that we plunge within us and then we think that we're fine, but we're not fine. Because we're not investigating, oh, I'm walking around with this arrow, this dagger in my heart. And as a result of it, we might we might take the dagger and pierce somebody else with it. Some people do. They get so angry. They go out and kill somebody. So it would behoove us to use this power of investigating our own condition more and more, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, not just when we're meditating. In fact, then the practice, if we were able to do that, the practice would be 24-7. Even when you're asleep, you could be mindful, you could be aware of the sleeping condition, the restful condition. Or report dreams, where there may have been visual images coming up, and see what is the condition after the dream. How is the heart? What is the weather? There's a story in the Japanese Zen tradition where, it's actually, I think this story was from a Chinese master. So a nun comes to the master and says, when will I become a monk? How long have you been a nun? She said, I want to know how long it's going to take for me to become a monk. And the master says, what are you now? And she says, I'm a nun, can't you see? And he says to her, Who knows you? Who knows you? What does he mean? Who knows you? Who is this? What is this mind that is saying, Can't you see I'm a nun? That's ignorance. That is not what we are. We're not, I am not a nun or a woman or. a a Canadian or a Buddhist, that's not who we are. Who are we? That's the question we have to ask. Not what do you want to be, but what are we truly in this moment? So the question that she was asking was the wrong question. She should have been asking him, how can I free myself from suffering? She said, no. She wants to be a monk. It makes no sense. If you want to be free from suffering, don't be anything at all. Nothing. It's because we're sticking to things. We stick to our identities that "I'm, I'm a nun, or I'm a man, or a woman. Any identity that we fix on will bring us suffering. Because the truth of it is, that we are just mental and physical processes connected together through these elements. And when we dismantle them and know them truly for what they are, we can let go that identity. We have no fixed abode in here that we can call me. Where is it? Is it, is it the upper bit or the lower bit? Is it just the head? Is it just the heart, the organ? What if we were to examine every part in the whole body, which of it is me? Is it the brain? No. But the connection of all these elements and the sense media. So when the body dies, the earth element goes to the earth. The fire element goes to the fire element. The air element goes to the air element and the water element goes to the water element and the sense media go to space and the mind this is the mystery I don't know that there's a mind element, but the mind if it's not purified it's still carrying detritus we have to put the garbage somewhere so it may reappear depending on the level of garbage that is left the level of ignorance that still remains that has to be that has to be cleared out for there to be true peace for there to be truth the truth arising in the midst of all these elements and connections the truth is that which is totally free And it cannot be free as long as this residue of taints, of ignorance, of not understanding, exists. So there's a lot of untruth in the world. And many of us are not investigating that untruth because we're identified with these elements in their connectivity rather than as a field of our ability to study and understand the truth, we mistake this field as a place to frolic and enjoy. It doesn't mean that frolicking and enjoying is wrong, but if that is all we do, then we never come to the the real happiness and the real cure for our ignorance that we all long for. And then we die in ignorance and in, in illness. But, like that nun, Mm -hmm. if we ask the right question, we will get, well, she got the right answer, but I don't know if she understood it, who, who knows you? So the who is, how are we investigating the inner conditions? And how are we freeing ourselves from fear, hatred, and ignorance? And if moment by moment we can peel away the fear and see it for what it is, is it real? What is it based on? What what is the result of the fear here? Is it an openness or is it contraction? What is the cause of our fear? These are the two first noble truths, knowing fear and examining the origin knowing the origin. ha, And then we have the ability, a greater ability, to rise beyond it, to ventilate it, to abandon it, rather than to be ruled by it. If we're ruled by it, then we're back in the state of ignorance with this giant me, the I. I have to get rid of this. I'm this, I'm that. I'm, and I know. But who knows you? No, it's not I. It's not the I that knows. It's the wisdom that knows. And the wisdom sees the failing of the heart to open in the face of fear or anger or ignorance. The fear is not the way to freedom. The anger is not the way to freedom. How many times have we had conversations or met people and listened to their words and felt enraged. How can they talk like that? Mm -hmm. Turn on your device and listen to the news or to somebody else and we get angry. We're not even listening to that person. Now, the fear and anger and delusion in the world is so much bigger because we're all walking around with Devices that give us the opportunity to listen to everybody else's rubbish. Not just our own. So our suffering becomes unbearable. But if we could see what's aggravating us so much. The politics in the government. Recently I heard about a great monk in Sri Lanka it appears died and it was revealed that he had a bank account of millions of dollars. Why is a monk having a bank account of millions of dollars? What a ruination of faith. But that's the world. This is because there are beings who wear the robe and masquerade as followers of what the Buddha asked monks and nuns to follow. So that's dishonest. That's a lack of integrity. So instead of feeling hatred for that monk, I tried to bring up a sense of compassion. Because if it is true that this is what he did, then it's a really serious infringement of the moral code and the vows that he took. And so, just because he died doesn't mean that he will get away with it. The residue of his deeds will follow him. So then it's also a reminder to me, how am I living this life? Why am I sitting around in judgment of somebody I don't even know? I never even met him. Maybe he has an enemy who owns a newspaper and they just made up all this story and it isn't true. It's possible. Because there is so much ignorance in this world and there is so much hatred. People do terrible things to each other get other people in trouble or blame, and the world is revved up, (laughs) revving up or running on a lot of unwholesome qualities. So instead of looking at the world, we have to look at our own condition. Instead of looking at other people, we have to see, where, where, where am I coming from? How do I speak? How do I hold others? Do I believe everything that my mind tells me? Or am I seeing through the filters of my own conditioning? And the weather in my own heart is not clean. It's not clear. As much as I may try, I have to work harder. I cannot give up. So you might check the weather every day and see, well, it's going to be bright and sunny for the next week. But in here... It's not bright and sunny. Why? By investigating and seeing who is not feeling bright and sunny. Who are we? What is holding that discontent, that impatience, that judgment, that opinion, that view, that certainty? I am no good. You know, those recordings that we keep playing over and over again will never stop until we press the stop button once and for all. And hold up instead of fear and anger, resentment, greed, and in the face of ignorance, hold up a candle to the goodness that we can bring up. Switch on. Step towards the the beautiful qualities that we can bring forward. In the midst of fear, we can bring up fearlessness. In the midst of resentment, we can bring up gratitude. In the midst of delusion, we can bring up a moment of wisely seeing that we don't know, that we cannot be sure. The only thing we can be sure of is this body is made up of four elements and the mind. This body consists of the five aggregates, form, feelings, perceptions, mental activities, volitional, and consciousness. In knowing these truths with a heart that is sharpening the faculties of faith, of energy, effort, of mindfully seeing, wisely seeing, and focusing our energy on freeing ourselves from unwholesome qualities, then the conditions can be changed. We can't change the conditions in other people's minds, but the miracle of this practice is that we can change our own condition. Then who could we blame? We just have to look deeper and see the source of our dukkha and touch that place, open up that sore, that wound, that infection, like you would with a physical wound. If you keep it bandaged, then it will fester. You have to let the pus out somehow. We can find spiritual friendship. And we practice forgiveness. I discovered this quite a long time ago. There was somebody I found very difficult in the monastery, and I realized that the difficulty wasn't in her; it was in me. And so, I made a dedication. I dedicated my practice to her, and it felt so wonderful. We we might practice loving kindness meditation to all beings everywhere, but there's one being, <laughs> and she lives in the you know, is that how we practice? We can't. So who is the first person we should practice loving kindness to? Exactly. Ourselves. Because if we practice loving-kindness to ourselves, we may discover that there is somebody we're holding something towards. Like mom or dad. Or one of our children. Or somebody that we work with. It could be somebody that we meditate with. We should try to bring up forgiveness and practice this quality of loving-kindness because if we don't, we will die with ill-will in our hearts. It's dangerous. It's poisonous. So I saw that my ill-will was getting very old, and when it got old, it seemed to get harder to abandon. It became crusty, and it got distorted and bigger and thicker, and I, I, I'm i sure that I also tried to get over it and pretend it wasn't there, and no, it's still there within us. We have to bring it out into the light to cure it, to heal it, to abandon it, to free ourselves from that. Otherwise, our energy is used up holding on to Things that happened long ago—they may have been from a previous life—and we're still holding it. And it's—we're getting bent back, bent over, and we'll start having legs or arms not functioning properly because we're 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 weighed down in different ways by these old stored-up energies that are poison. They're like. A fire that's out of control but it's contained within us but you cannot contain fire the fire of greed hatred and delusion those are the biggest flames of all so before we are cremated we have to cremate those old held things so that they don't burn us up when we investigate within us our own condition it's possible for us to find in there a strength we didn't know we had. And that too is a result of being willing to face our fear, or our ill will, being willing to climb the inner mountain and sit on the top of it, and see clearly. Then we know that the freedom is in our hands. We have the key. We just have to be willing to look, to turn the key, to spend our time with worthy friends, and to cultivate the path with earnestness. Do you have any questions? So we have to all the time? All the time, to be aware, to be present, to see where the choking feeling is, where the contraction in the body is. And to breathe into that and realize, oh, this is painful, this is pleasant. There's attachment, there's non-attachment. What are we experiencing? How are we able to bring up the wholesome qualities and abandon that which defeats those wholesome qualities in us? Day by day, moment by moment, and not think, oh, we'll do this later, it's not important. When is later? There is no later. There may be, but it's uncertain. So at all times, be encouraged to practice present moment awareness. Even when you leave here, don't leave your mindfulness and your present moment awareness on the seats, on the cushions. Don't take the cushions with you. but take the present moment awareness with you. Take present moment awareness with you, out the door, into the world, into everyday life, when you put on your shoes, in the morning when you get up, from the very first moment you get up in the morning, putting on your clothing, brushing your teeth, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, as you walk to work, as you get to your car, as you drive to Montreal, When you arrive in Montreal, when you feel excited and impatient, present moment awareness, it's a practice. You bring up patience. It's a traffic jam. Now I can sit here and meditate till the traffic starts again. Every opportunity that we can find, it's always right here and now. I leave this for you to reflect on. I am well my good